Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Title Town. We have tons of stuff to go what over up, up, with all up. of you. How are you today, Craig? Doing great. Doing great. Big episode this week. A lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, we're going to uh, catch up on what's been happening in the early part of the Red Sox offseason. We're going to cover the big Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady showdown in Gillette. We sure are. We also have a little bit of Bruins goalie controversy. Ooh. Shocker. And we uh, dig into some basketball towards the end of the episode as well. Nice. Sounds like a good That's time. right. Enjoy the show. Melissa, hello. Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? You a little stressed out over there? A little bit. I got some technology difficulties. This is the problem with recording remotely. Tough times at the old uh, Titletown podcast satellite offices in Quincy. Yeah, basically. You guys need to call tech. You got to call tech support over there at the satellite (laughs) building. I did. They won't come out of Brighton. That's a bummer. That's a real bummer. I know. Are you over your uh, World Series hangover? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm over the excitement of it. I'm not over my exhaustion because the Patriots blasted us with a night game again just to make it real complicated. A good blasting. Uh, we talked. The last time we talked was before the parade, right? That was pre-parade, or the day before the parade. Yeah, the day 30th? before the parade. Yeah. Did Did you go to the parade? I did not. I did not go to the parade. Not a huge parade guy. Like in general. Uh, well, yeah, I'm trying to think of another opportunity to go to a parade that wouldn't have been a sports related one. Like a nice Thanksgiving day parade, a local town parade, 4th of July. It's not my thing. Not my thing. Not a big parade guy. Well, over here at the satellite office, Uh, we got a lot of local towny parades that we go to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's interesting. You get any, uh, (laughs) trick-or-treaters over there? No, we turned the lights out and went out to dinner. Oh my God. Listen, I don't have, I can't supply these children with candy. what a Grinch. What's the Halloween equivalent of a Grinch? Uh, Jack Skellington? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> think of, think of. <laughs> All right, let's think about that as yeah. we uh, get caught up around town, shall we? You want to start? Okay, I'll do it. Uh, we're going to start with the Sox. Might as well. Uh, big news this yeah. week in their world is that David Price did, in fact, pick up his player option. We learned that on the morning of the parade, in fact. The 33-year-old mm. left. From the duck boats. From the duck boats. Yeah, drinking fireball shots. Uh, the 33-year-old <laughs> left-hander will now be uh, taking $32 million a year uh, in a Red Sox uniform until the ripe old age of 37, which is in the season of 2022, just if you're keeping Ugh. track at home. Doesn't that just, all those, the three numbers in that sentence, $32 million a year, he'll be 37, yeah. and we got him until 2022. Yeah, he, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he won't have a left arm by the time. 2020 gets here. Jesus Christ. Uh, the Sox have yet to make any other major free agent decisions, mostly because they probably don't have any money uh, left. But some big names like Evaldi, Brazier, Kelly, Kimbrell are still yet to sign with anyone. So they're still out there. Um, and in some MLB award news, Mookie Betts, JBJ, and Ian Kinsler were all named American League Gold Glovers. Alex Cora was named a finalist for AL Manager of the Year. And Mookie was, not surprisingly, named a finalist for AL MVP. Uh, J.D. Martinez's agent had something to say about him not being named as a finalist. And oh, really? uh, yeah, he like came out today and was like, the voters all need to account for what they did and why they didn't vote for J.D. Martinez. But hmm. yeah. 
Uh, yeah. That's interesting. You know what I thought was funny? Yeah. So I follow the Red Sox on Twitter and they like posted a thing for like each of the people that just that you just named who got awards. And they it was like usually with like a little video clip. And in the case of the Gold Glovers, it was making some heroic play in the field. And the Ian Kinsler play that they showed was basically the same play that he fucked up in that game three extra innings game. But like he made it in this case, it was obviously from some regular Proving season that thing he where can he's do like it. at second base, like moving right to left, like scoops down, he's deep in the hole, like turns around and like slings it to first and like makes the out. And I was just like, Oh, that's interesting that they chose to like replay a highlight, which is just a mirror image of the fucking error that cost them yeah, the game. Great. Just rub it in and show us that like, oh no, he has the potential to make this play. It's not out of his range. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just, you know, biffed it in the most important of games. Anyway. Um, so the Patriots played. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, they took on Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers for only the second time ever this week on Sunday Night Football uh, at home at Gillette. The game was tied uh, at 17 after three quarters, but the opening play of the fourth quarter was a forced fumble by Patriots defensive end Lawrence Guy, and it was pretty much all pats from there. Uh, they scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and held the Packers to zero points. Um, this was all without the help of uh, running back Sony Michelle and tight end Rob Gronkowski, both inactive for this game. Um this is good news for you, Melissa. The Sunday Night Football game against Green Bay was also the Patriots' last primetime game of the season. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeehaw. Finally, I can get some sleep, and uh, Sundays can be what they're meant to be for. What's that? Watching exactly? football and taking a nap. <laughs> uh, yeah, rest of the games this season are one o'clockers or four o'clockers. Very Hallelujah. nice. Um, so they improved to seven and two, second best record in the AFC behind uh the Chiefs, who still only have the one loss. Um, and they're playing the Tennessee Titans this Sunday afternoon. Uh, worth pointing out, there's a shitload of former Patriots on the Titans. Uh, some notable ones are running back Deion Lewis, cornerbacks Logan Ryan, and old friend Malcolm Butler. Former defensive coordinator Dean Pease. He was coordinator from like 05 to like 09 or something. Okay. Not great. Not great years <laughs> for the Patriots defense, but whatever. Uh, has there ever been one since like 2004? Anyways, um, and of course, uh, Patriots old time famous Patriots linebacker Mike Vrabel, uh, is a head coach. I think he's a Patriots Hall of Famer now that I think about it. So that should be an interesting game to see some familiar faces down in Tennessee. It's on the road. Uh, should be interesting. Yes, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, heading over to the black and gold, the Bruins played three mm -hmm. games this week. They beat the Carolina Hurricanes 3-2. They lost on the road to the NHL best Nashville Predators. And they finally eked out an overtime win against the Dallas Stars at home. 2-1, uh, to one, I think that game ended up being. Halak mm -hmm. was dealt his first regular season loss of the year against Nashville on Saturday night. Although he did make 39 saves on 40 shots. And is statistically the best goaltender in the NHL with a .952 save percentage. Incredible. The Bees are on a homestand this week with games against Vancouver, Toronto, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, Yaro Halak, fucking best goalie in the league. I, who would, who, who would have thought? thought? And even in that Carolina game, I think he made like 40 saves in that one too. Like, yeah. Dude's been playing out of his fucking yeah. mind. Like at this point, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but at this point, it's less about Tukaras sucking and more about Yaro Halak just being fucking sick. 
Um, okay, and then finally we have the Celtics. Uh, we, we a lot of basketball this week, yeah. but the Seas had a bit of an up and down uh, last week of games. They beat the Pistons last Tuesday. Then they dealt the previously undefeated Milwaukee Bucks, the first loss of the season at the Garden on Thursday night. They then traveled to Indiana, um, where a last-second three-pointer by Victor Oladipo, followed by a botched inbound pass from Gordon Hayward, sealed the 102-101 to victory for the Pacers. Uh, Celtics then went to Denver and were friggin' thumped by the Nuggies, 115-107. Uh, to Denver guard Jamal Murray, a household name yeah. for you, <laughs> had the fucking game of his life and led his team to the victory with 48 points. Probably most notably, at least from a Boston perspective, he attempted a last second sort of like, not like beyond garbage time, like literally like no time left in the game. Uh, he chucked up a three pointer, presumably to get to 50. He just wanted to get to yeah. 50. Uh, this upset Celtics point guard, Kyrie Irving, who after collecting the rebound as the, as the game concluded, he fucking chucked the ball into the stands, uh, for this act of rebellion, Kyrie was fined 25 grand, $25,000 yeah, by the NBA, pretty aggressive, which is a lot. Yeah. That's a heavy fine. I, I heard, um, and I don't know if this is true or not. Yeah. I heard that he did it because he thought that, um, uh, uh, oh my God, what the hell? Murray was going to try to take the ball, like make it a mantle ball, and he didn't want him to have it. I, so I heard the same thing this morning. It was like, yeah, like, you know, if you like, you, like if you have a game like that, you'd probably like, you know, you get some like post-game thing, game ball type thing. You can like yeah. keep it. And Kyrie's like, fuck this. You ain't getting no mantle piece. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and just yanks it up into the fucking upper deck. Uh, so... Oh, two, oh, and two on the road trip, though. Not oh, great. Celtics are going to try to salvage this thing uh, with some games against Phoenix. Gordon Hayward's going to make his return to Utah. And then they got a game against Portland before coming home. Exciting. So that's the week that was. Yeah. Uh, where would you like to begin, Melissa? Well, I'd like to break down some of these topics a little bit further. And I guess we will start with the championship team. They deserve top billing being the winners sure, around town. Sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on that David Price signing? Are you excited? You kind of alluded to it, so I feel like I know where you're going to go with it. But Yeah, I mean, so I said last week I thought it would be super cool of David Price <laughs> to just be out. Like, I thought that would have been super rad. So obviously I didn't get that the, the, the next day after we posted our episode at the at the parade. He obviously said that he was still in. I just, you know, like I said in the open there, like just looking at the numbers, like, it's going to be 37. David Price is like a power pitcher too. Like he throws like 95, 96. Like he's not in the hundreds or anything like that, but he throws hard. Like I'm just not so sure David Price is going to be able to survive throwing 89, 90, like whatever at age 35, 36, 37. Like I just, I don't know. It's a shitload of money. He's going to be really old. Um, and so I just, I just hope that he can be the guy he has been for longer than I think he can. I don't know. That's just a 20, 2022 just feels like it's fucking forever. Yeah, it feels me. like a real you know long time I mean? from now. Like that's wild. <laughs> like that's a long I, time. I didn't realize that his player option was for that many years. That feels like a really long player option and not something that's normal that you would opt in for four more years. Like 
that well that comes back to the comes back to the whole thing of when they signed him they just blew everybody right. out of the water they, it, i think it, at the time i mean i know at the time it was the most lucrative contract for a pitcher in the history of baseball i don't know if it has since been uh, uh usurped it probably, probably has but i mean it's just a it's just a truckload of money like you i mean you know we you and i both sort of picked it last week it'd be stupid to walk away right. from it especially now but so we're still we got we, he's our guy now yep, we're with him and we'll see if he can stay like happy loving it here for four years because you know they're not likely to win four world series in a row so what happens on those years <laughs> I, like I, I the expectation to win doesn't change in boston it doesn't matter how many times we won see the patriots so i don't know what he thinks is gonna happen now Right. And I mean, as you know, in this era of uh, sports prosperity, we are fairly quick to turn the page. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's not like it's not like you're just, you know, I mean, all is forgiven for now. But uh, like we said, well, like we talked about last week, if he reverts, then like, you know, they're still going to be content or they still should be contending for championships. Like this is, you know, when Dave Dombrowski took over as general manager and he signed David Price is a free agent. And then the following year, he signed Chris Sale as a free agent. And, you know, oh no, he cr- traded for tr- Chris Sale, whatever. But like, w- we're sort of in a window here of like three to five years. Like, right. I mean, David Price was a, a major signing and you don't make that signing unless you're going to contend for championships. So like he got one, but I mean, th- honestly, like they should be contending for multiple championships here. So, I mean, we'll see. The pressure's still on. Right. Though, yeah, yeah. You know? It's not going to let up. What do, you, what do you think is their biggest need? Like obviously David Price opting in means that they can't re-sign all of those guys. Would you rather that they prioritize an additional starting pitcher or more bullpen support? I, I I think they need to address some of this bullpen situation because if they lose Kelly and Brazier and Kimbrell, yeah. which they might just they lose likely. all three. And like, I wouldn't necessarily, cr- I wouldn't necessarily be upset if they did like whatever, they all pitched really well, but I don't think they're irreplaceable. Like, I definitely think from a for for the playoffs next year, you gotta you gotta get some bullpen help, and I think you, I think you need both. Really, I guess is what I'm saying. I think the lineup's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, so like that's a good thing, right? Like from a lineup perspective, I think you're pretty much set for like the foreseeable future. Like you're fine there. Um, so really, it's like where do you spend the like you alluded to the small amount of money that you have left to spend? Do you do you throw it at another starter, or do you go to the bullpen or try to find a way to do both? What do you think? Uh, highest priorities. I think you. I think you need a solid closer because I think you are going to lose Kimbrel, and I don't know if there's anyone in the system that's ready to like step up and take that spot. I I feel like Dombrowski kind of alluded to the fact that it could be Joe Kelly, but you have to keep him in order to do that. Um, so like my first thing would be like get a good closer because you know I think you need that, and I think they actually, well not. Not I think, I know. At the end of the day, they impact more games in a season than a starter does. Totally. So I would start there. And then, yeah, my second thing would be getting another starter. Because I agree, the durability factor with Chris Sale at the front end of the rotation is a concern. And so you can't have him, David Price, and three scrubs. Like, you need three solid, minimally three solid starters. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's funny too, because like, all it's like the guys that we're talking about that they probably won't sign are just exactly the roles that they need to fill. Um, but like, you know, they showed this with Ivaldi this year. Like the, the, one of the things that gave him the most conf, like the most, let me back that up. One of the things I liked the most about the way that Ivaldi performed in the playoffs was it gave me confidence that Dave Dombrowski, et cetera, can actually like scout pitchers 
and look at guys who are on bad teams and say he could be good for us and go out and get them. Because previous to that, like what has what has Dave Dombrowski done? He signed the top free agent <laughs> uh, pitcher in the offseason yeah. the year he got here, David Price, traded for the best pitcher in the American League in Chris Sale, signed a, a, a fucking slugger's slugger, albeit from a bad team, but like anybody who like really pays close attention to the baseball knew that J.D. Martinez was good. So like, this, and this is kind of Dave Dombrowski's MO, just signing big names, kind of screwing your farm system. And like, it, it, he's a very win now type of guy. But the Uvalde thing was, I thought it was extra cool because it shows that they actually can like yeah. pick a guy out of the, out of yeah. the, you know, like Patriots-esque. Yeah, yeah. I always fucking say that, but like, you know, the Patriots obviously have a knack for like picking guys off the scrap heaps of other teams. And then they come here and like contribute a lot. And like that was that kind of move. Like, oh, thanks, fucking Tampa Bay. Like, we'll take this guy, and he's gonna be a fucking a horse for us in the World Series and in the playoffs. Like, but the point of that is that just do that again. <laughs> like, if you can do it once, <laughs> find the next Nathan Evaldi. Like, that's what yeah. you got to do when you have a team that has the highest payroll in baseball, and you're kind of strapped. You gotta you gotta dig a little bit and find guys that aren't necessarily obvious to contribute to your team. Yeah, see how hard can it be? The Patriots do it. You can do it. Yeah, and they did it too. <laughs> Fucking Red Sox figured it out once. Uh, you want to move on to the Patriots? Because they had a big game this week. Yeah, sure did. I was there, dude. I know. Look at you. Living Up your best life. Up in the 300s, life. getting fucking altitude sickness. Nosebleeds, nosebleeds. Uh, kind of crazy that in all these years, Brady and Rodgers have only faced off twice. And this was Rodgers' first start in Gillette. That, yeah. That it, I'm it sure also could very well be the last time they ever play each other. Yeah, because they won't play again for four years, right? Obviously. Yeah, they won't play again until the end of David Price's contract, 2022. And <laughs> by that point, Brady will be what, 43? That's just our measure of time now. 44? 44. Like the, I don't think, as much as I love Tom Brady and think he has amazing longevity in this league, I don't think in 2022 Tom Brady's going to be the starting quarterback of the the Patriots. David Price will be a starting uh, pitcher, though. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this, unless they meet in the Super Bowl, that would be the only other context that they would play each other between now and 2022. And let me tell you, the way that the Packers look, they kind of suck. <laughs> like, they do. They sort of blow. They're like five and four right now, I think, or something like that. Yeah, they're five and four. They've got Aaron Rodgers, who's like the be- best quarterback going right now. But, like, I don't know. The team sort of just blows. So this that might have been the last time that they ever play. That's that would be crazy. So that's kind of wild. So all week, you know, last week on our show we talked exclusively World Series pretty much, but all week this past week in terms of like football circles, there was all sorts of talk like Brady versus Rodgers type stuff. There was a, a, a interesting little, I don't know if you saw this or heard it, but there was like a TV spot with Michael Jordan yeah, I sort saw of it. hyping up this game and he did this kind of they did this they wrote it in sort of a coy way that uh, it sort of seemed like Michael Jordan was talking about a, 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 a sports rivalry between him and LeBron, but he was actually talking about Brady and Rogers. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about just the, the Brady Rogers debate generally? I don't think Aaron Rodgers has won enough to be in the same category as Tom Brady, but he's only won one in 2011. And, and I just like, yeah, they're in the playoffs a lot, but like, they're not a, a perennial NFC championship team even in the years that the Patriots don't go to the Super Bowl they're usually in the AFC championship game and I I just feel like that history of winning at that level is not the same and so I don't 
at the end of the day, like that's what matters, right? Is like winning championships. And so I don't know how you can put Aaron Rodgers in that same stratosphere as Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I agree. Like there, there is just no way that they're in the same category in terms of resume. Like nobody's in Brady's category in terms of resume, except for like Joe yeah, Montana, yeah. you know what I mean? So like, there's no quarterback that's playing right now that is in his camp. Rogers is probably the closest thing just from like a talent perspective, but yeah, I mean, he just doesn't have the, the doesn't have the rings to really actually be in and that discussion. Like, Although it no, is, I was say, like, go ahead. you know, one of the things that I noticed with this team and you said like, they kind of suck and like their defense has just been like obliterated by injuries. And we even watched it happen in that game. Like it seemed like, like in the third quarter, like every sequence, they were losing somebody. It was insane. Yeah. And, you know, for me in those years where like our team hasn't been good, Tom Brady has found a way to like pull them from the trash heap almost on his own. And I just don't see yeah. Aaron Rodgers doing that consistently. Yeah. And I mean, I think if you look at their careers sort of like side by side, it's the bi- the biggest asset. That I mean, this is kind of like a circular thing. This is like your classic like sports radio type debate. But like the biggest thing that Brady has is Bill Belichick. And the biggest thing that Bill Belichick has is Tom Brady. So like that's why they are the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback and the greatest coach quarterback yeah. combo of all time. It's because they have each other. And, you know, it's interesting to sort of toy with the idea of like if Aaron Rodgers were on the Patriots and Tom Brady were on the Packers, like how, I mean, I don't know if I think Aaron Rodgers would have gotten five, but I think he would have gotten more than one. Like the, the Belichick factor there, you know, in those seasons where you've had pretty light rosters from a talent perspective on the Patriots, like, yeah, Brady obviously carries it offensively, but defensively it's Bill Belichick and his coaching staff just coaching up, you know, scrubs to a certain degree. And, you know, they've at least gotten two Super Mm -hmm. Bowls with that. Not two, like the number two. They've gotten they've gotten yeah, to yeah. the Super Bowl um, with teams like that. They don't always win with those real scrubby defense teams, but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth kind of thinking about. Like, what would what would it look like if if Brady was on the Packers and like you know Mike McCarthy's kind of a fucking boob and <laughs> I don't know they just haven't really been able to put it together outside of that one year. Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate debate. I think always is like, well, what if you traded? Like, who would do better and who knows? Like part of that is there's luck involved that they got together at the right time and are able to push each other's buttons in the right way to get there. But I don't know at the end of the day, like they did it and Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy to your point didn't. And so to me, it wasn't like a goat versus goat battle, which everyone kind of kept talking about it. I was like, well, there's Tom Brady and then there's everybody else. And like Aaron Rodgers is great, but like, Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's right. been like, to two. You know, Ben Roethlisberger's won more than one. Do we, when the Steelers and Patriots play, is it greatest versus greatest? Like, they're a good sports rivalry, but we don't hype up the Roethlisberger versus Brady thing in the same way that this was right, kind of teed right, up. Right, right, mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there there are, there's a actually a somewhat long list of players that have had, uh, of QBs that, you know, are as good into or not as good as yeah. accomplished uh, as Aaron Rodgers, but you know it's funny. I as you know, Melissa, I listen to a shitload of uh, particular sports yeah. radio, but particularly the Felger yes, Mass program yes. on ninety eight five. Big and fan. Mike Felger is a Wisconsin yeah, guy. Cheesehead. Um, and so follows the Packers pretty closely. And basically all week leading up to this game, he was just like, 
rattling off all these situations where the Packers just totally screwed Aaron Rodgers. Like, like you know, heroic fourth quarter comebacks uh, led by Aaron Rodgers that just get squandered by like missing kicks or fumbling on special teams or just like first play of overtime, the defense lets up a touchdown. And it's just like, Aaron Rodgers is just sitting on the bench. Is just like, what the fuck? Like he, he just like, there's at least like five or six, you know, important playoff type games that played out in that same way where you're just like, man, Aaron Rodgers really gets boned sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like he's great, singularly great, but the, the, the Green Bay Packers are not in the same fucking class no. at all. Not even close. Um, and, and, you know, keep in mind also that fucking we hung 31 points on him with no Gronk and no Sony Michelle. Like that was kind of like Cordell Patterson had like 12 carries at yeah, the running back. I, this guy's not even a real wide receiver, not to mention of goes without saying that he's not a real running back. Like this is like the backup to the backups. Yeah, backup. The Cordell Patterson at running back is like the epitome of Bill Belichick taking a guy off the scrap heap and be, and finding a use for him in a way that he's successful. And it boggles my mind that he does these things. Like he's, Got to be the luckiest son of a bitch in the world that he's like, I think you can be a running back. And the guy's like, okay. And does it. And is relatively successful. Like, I, he was it's bizarre. He, he, he definitely was successful. He had like five, five runs for like 51 yards in the first half. Like he was getting 10, 10 yards a crack, which is pretty freaking good. It does sort of make, I don't think that that's like something that's going to, I just feel like he's gonna fumble uh, yeah, every time yeah, he touches yeah. the ball. That's well, because every time he punt returns, he, he doesn't fumbles. like he doesn't like run. Yeah, he runs like a punt returner. He doesn't run like a running back. Like he's not, he runs like upright. Like he's not like super low. He's a big guy. First of all, he's like not like low to the ground. Like most running backs, yeah, are, like, they're, short, they're like stocky. You know, guys. like typically less than six feet tall. Like yeah, pretty short and stout. But you know, Cordell Patterson's like six three or something. He's just like this big like I don't know, standing upright stiff. I just feel like he's gonna fucking. <laughs> get the ball punched out of there pretty soon. Once teams start catching on to the fact that like, I feel like the element of, of surprise was, was definitely a factor in the green Bay situation. They're just like, what the fuck is going on? Like expecting, expecting some yeah, sort of yeah. trick play when you right. see Cordero Patterson in the background. And then all, next thing you know, he's just like running right down your <laughs> Wait, throat. Like, oh, that yeah. wasn't the trick. That's just actually their running back. Like what, the <laughs> what fuck are they is fielding right shit? now? But you look at it and it's like, okay, so yeah. reports are Sony Michelle's likely to come back this week. And so you don't, you won't need to use him again, but what a great stopgap. James White went out with like a little tweak, whatever happened to him. Sony Michelle's out. You can't play without a run game because then you're just asking Tom Brady to get annihilated. Yeah. And like, it, well, let's use him. And and they did it a little bit in the game the week before too to kind of get a feel for it. It's He had success yeah. there too. Chicago, the Chicago thank game. you. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. They just... Or Buffalo. Oh, whatever. yeah, Buffalo. Uh, they just rolled him out. And like, to your point, like, the, the, yeah, I don't I mean, think... Green Bay knew how to defend it. No, they definitely didn't. I, I, I definitely, I'm down with like jamming somebody else that isn't named James White up the middle like that though. Cause if, if he gets hurt, like I heard another stat today that was like, uh, James White has like 110 touches or something so far this season. And he only had like 99 all of last season. Like he's getting the ball a ton, um, which is good. I mean, I love James White. I think he's like, a, a, he's a vital, he is as vital as Edelman or Gronk on yeah. this offense. But I just worry about him getting too much action and then just inevitably getting hurt. I mean, that's just like, I feel like this is just, as a Patriots fan who's just so focused on the postseason, I just walk through the entire regular season just fearing injury. 
That's just ha- that's, that's just my yeah. Every MO time now. someone gets hit, you're like, what? Yeah, just I mean, talk about having two different rosters. Like, I wish the Patriots <laughs> literally had two different rosters. Like, don't play Edelman or Gronk or James White until um, December. Yeah, you know, I was actually kind of surprised because they go into the bye week after this Tennessee game. I was surprised when they said mm-hmm. that it looks like Sony Michelle's going to come back. I was like, why? Like Tennessee doesn't feel like a huge appoint opponent, excuse me. Like why bring him back? Why give him two more weeks and like have him at a hundred percent instead of he's probably at 90% coming back right now. I, I, yeah, it's a good I point. Just I mean, back. I don't think there's a reason. Yeah. I mean, the Titans aren't trash. Like they're not terrible. And I mean, this is, this will be like an important road game or whatever, but I, I get what your point. Like you have the opportunity to like, parlay him missing last week and the bye next week to give him like a series, like almost a month off, you know, um, to really like get right. Guy that's had a lot of injury history. Yeah. I just, and we did just prove that, you know, they could beat a much better team without him. So yeah. I mean, what's one more week of the running back by committee thing. Yeah. That's a good uh, point. One more thing on the, on the green Bay game. When Brady mm-hmm. took the ball in the first quarter and ran out and did that hurry up offense to score that touchdown in like three minutes. The first, uh, the yep. opening drive. I was. Oh God, pornographic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, "Be still, my heart." These are the Patriots that we love. Fuck everybody. Tom Brady's coming through. Oh yeah, that was that was. You know what else? Uh, at the beginning of that game was pornographic. The fucking uh, Red Sox <laughs> coming out on a duck boat. <laughs> that shit. Talk about title town. Oh, got baby. everyone all jacked up. Wow, that got me going. <laughs> Oh, anyways. So speaking of next week yeah. and the bye, if we're taking a look at the Patriots schedule after that. So next week we're at the Titans. Then you got to buy week, yeah. week 11. And then it's at the Jets, home against the Vikings, at the Dolphins, at the Steelers, home against the Bills, home against the Jets. Uh, I heard a little bit of chatter starting after the Green Bay game about the possibility of the Patriots winning out. Do you think they can do it? Uh Seven games yeah. left. Mm. I want to so say... Just to give you ahead. a little... No, cl- you I was going to say, j- something that like always guides my thoughts when we talk about the Patriots going undefeated for either entire seasons or stretches of seasons like this, like they're going to be favored in every game. Oh, yeah, right? of course. So like going into each game individually, you would expect them to win. Right. right. Like just in a vacuum, like we will be expecting them to win each one of those games, barring some sort of injury or something like that. So like by that, I'm always like, yeah, I mean, they certainly they could win out because if I was if I was in a coma between now and week 16 and you woke me up and said, hey, we're playing the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Do you think they're going to win? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I do think they're going to win. But looking at it on the whole, I feel like they drop one and it might be that stupid Dolphins game. Yeah, it's hard to say which one. But it, that Dolphins game, I feel like in Miami, is always a trap game. The Dolphins aren't trash. Like, they're 5-4 and four this season. You know, and it's hard because yeah. they play in the AFC East. Like, 5-4, and four, they'd be uh, in first. Uh, they'd be in second in the AFC North. The Steelers, I guess, technically have a higher win yeah. percentage. Like, okay, you know. Yeah, the, I find the trap games with Miami tend to come at the beginning of it, like the very beginning of the season when it's like super fucking yeah, hot yeah. Miami and shit. Feels like, yeah, I mean, that might be a trap game. This this coming on Sunday, that might be your like, you know, a little trap yeah, game. They drop one to the considering Titans. Considering you just, yeah, considering you just had a big game against the Packers and you got the bye week next week. Like, you know, yeah. the Patriots usually don't get trapped by the trap game, but 
The Titans game could be one. I'm a little, you know, you're always a little nervous about the Steelers. If you remember last yeah, year's yeah. Steelers game on the road, that was that like last fucking second. Uh, what was the name of the big stupid tight end? Was it Jesse James? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Steelers oh, yeah, that's end, when we got into all who, the like, like is it, was it a the catch? Is it not a catch? And whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it took some like wacko shit in the last second of that game yeah. um, to decide it there. So I don't know. I mean, I think they could. I might. If I had to bet it, I'd say they'd probably drop one. Yeah, I couldn't tell you which one, but it feels like they'll drop one. Crazy that we play the Jets twice in the second half of the season. Yeah, that is interesting. Both Jets. I mean, they 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 usually backload the they 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 backload the division games, but you don't usually see like two mm. in a five week period. Yeah. Um. Uh, hey, so we got a call this. We week. did. Let's hear it. Sure did. Uh, speaking of the Dolphins, that's what. Oh yeah. Me. But it actually has nothing to do with the Dolphins. <laughs> Here's Dan. The Dolphins fan. Hey, it's Dan, the Dolphins fan. I am just curious to hear your thoughts about the growing goalie controversy between Tuka and Yaroslav. Love you. Bye. All right. So goalie controversy, quote unquote, in uh, Boston Bruins. Let's switch gears a little bit. Okay. That's a big switch. Abrupt change. I like it. Ha- yeah. It's a hard, hard gear change hard for sure. So I, I was reading about this a little bit today. Oh, look at you reading. Fancy. Um, and I have a little... So so we were talking a little bit earlier about how Tukarask has been eh, kind of sketchy, but really more to the point, Yara Halak has been fucking lights out. There was an interesting article on Boston Sports Journal today. And I think... What's the guy's name? Connor Ryan, I think? Yeah, Connor Ryan, who's who covers the Bruins. Sounds like a nice Irish name. Makes sense. Connor. So check this out. One little... Just a little excerpt from his thing. And this is like, this sums up Tukarask to me like perfectly. He's talking about just, you know, back and forth, the differences between differences between their performance. And he says, unfortunately, Rask has often let a game get away from him in a hurry to start the year. He's given up seven first period goals this season, including five within the first 11 minutes of play. Jesus. On five different occasions, Rask has also let up consecutive goals within two minutes of each other putting his club in a hole early and that can't happen against good teams like Nashville. Uh, this article was written before the Nashville game. So they were talking about who's going to get the start. Cause obviously that was a big game. He goes on to say, this is not the first time that Rask has struggled in October with goalies, uh, with the goalie posting a sub 900 save percentage in three of the past five years during the first month, uh, in the October month of the NHL season. That stat though of, so how many games have they played now? Stand by. Uh, games played 14. So they played 14 games. I don't know how many starts Tuca has. Let's just say he started half seven. And so like the, 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 the seven first period goals isn't so bad, but oh no, but then there are five within the first 10 minutes. So the first half of the first period he's letting in goals. And then the thing of the consecutive. So on five separate occasions outside of the, uh, first period goals is, two goals within two minutes of each other. Like those little things are just like, they don't show up on paper. Like if that happened in a game, let's just say for sake of argument that those were the only two goals. But if you let two goals up within two minutes of each other, within the first 10 minutes of the first period, like sure. If you end that game only giving up those two goals, then your stat line isn't going to be so bad. But for anybody that's actually watching that game, like you just want to kill yourself. You know, yeah, the morale thing is like, killer. and that's the thing with Tuca is that like when you look at his stats and you look at his save percentage and stuff like that, it's not trash. Like he's not that bad. And, so, and this is why it's like a quote unquote, like controversy, because 
on paper, Tuukka Rask is a fine goalie. He might not be worth like seven million dollars a year or whatever he gets, but like he's fine. But when you look at stuff like that, it's just like, oh, when you actually watch a Tuukka start and you're like, wow, that was a fucking meatball from the blue line that you just like let in under like over your shoulder. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah. And it's brutal because like your, you know, your team sees that and like they have to fight back from that every game. You know what I mean? Like halfway through the first period, they're down every game. That yeah. That's just tough on a team to constantly be playing from behind because you have to change the way you play and like the way you use your lines when you're trying to catch up and you're doing that from basically jump in every game. Yeah, and if and if you're a skater, you know, uh, uh, just a position player for the Bruins, like at a certain point you got to be taking the ice and thinking that like you just aren't playing with your best foot forward. Like at a certain point you must just legitimately think that like this isn't the best guy to win the right. game. Like you don't have if you don't have confidence in your goalie like and we started to see this a little bit last year with Anton Hudobin, like the team started to play better when Hudobin was in net than they did when Tuca was in net. And it's like, yeah, to your point, like it's got to just get so demoralizing to be digging yourselves out of holes all yeah. the time. I, I, yeah. I just think the one good thing about that is like, if he started with this kind of like sub 900 save percentage, you know, three Octobers, I don't know if it was in a row or in his career. It makes me think that like, there's yeah, three a, of the last five, yeah. All right, so there's a better chance of him, like, turning it around and figuring it out. Like, you know, this isn't likely to be an entire season problem. But, you know, to me that says, like, okay, well, then the obvious answer is you play Halak right now while he's hot and while Tuka struggles. You make – you give Tuka essentially backup duty, so he plays – you know, I would give him one out of three and Halak two out of three. And then when Tuka turns it around, right. like, let's say beginning of December, then you, you know, you flip that. So Halak gets a little rest, and by the time you get to the – playoffs you know they both have played the right number of games probably for their position and are ready ready to go yeah it's just and, and again it's like this is a similar story to what happened last year like Anton Hudobin was basically given that like lion's share of the starts in the early part of last season and they won a shitload of games and it worked out they obviously made the playoffs and did all right but it's just so frustrating to have to manage around your seven million dollar a year you know should be franchise goalie sucking yeah in the early goings of the season. And like, luckily m again, much like last year where at points, uh, Anton Hudobin was the statistically, you know, in the top three in the goalies in the NHL. Luckily, Yaro Halak is fucking killing it. Like, thank God he is. Cause if he wasn't, they'd really be screwed. Yeah. yeah I don't know what they would do. So anyways, yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, like, you know, it's, you gotta just play the hot hand and put Halak in there and hope that two can turn it around, which he probably will to us to some degree. But in the meantime, yeah, it's it's fucking it's I'm trying to think of some snappy uh, thing like Tuka time. But for Yaroslav Halak, I'll get back to you next week with that. <laughs> it's Halak o'clock. That's not bad. Um, all right. Ready to hit the lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. Um, all right. Let me ask you this one. Yeah. So, fashion question. Oh, my wheelhouse. With the return of the NFL's annual salute to service campaign, you may have noticed the green military-themed gear on the sidelines across the league on Sunday. I did. Um, 
All head coaches across the league donned some sort of salute to service gear with one notable exception this past week. Guess fucking who is Bill Belichick, who just wore his normal (laughs) blue outfit. He even did like an interview after the fact, like explaining that he's like, I don't know. He's just saying like, yeah, he's like all into the military and stuff, but he just isn't doesn't want to wear the clothes. So the question, I guess, is like, why is Bill just such an ass about all this stuff? Like just simple, man. Just put the fucking hoodie on the other one, the green one. Maybe green's not a good color for him. Oh, God. <laughs> I think I think Bill's a little superstitious. And I think to him, like, he plays it off as like, oh, what does it matter what I wear to the game? I just wear what I wear. And it's like, I, I, I think he doesn't like to change his routine. And, and I think, like, being asked to wear what the NFL asked him to wear is like a, no, no, no. That's not, I don't do that. Like, you're messing up my routine. You're messing up my system. And I can't, like, I... I He's either superstitious or super OCD. And he just is like, no, this is what I wear. I can't change it. Yeah. I mean, so he was interviewed. He was asked about this. And here's his quote. He says, I mean, I usually wear the same thing for every game. I mean, not the same thing, but depending on the weather and so forth, I just wear the same thing for every game. So I don't change what I wear weekly based on whatever the theme of the week is, but salute to services. And then you can see, you can, you can tell that he starts backtracking here, but salute to services. Look, the military and the job, our servicemen and women do and sacrifices they make are very important to me and my family always has been, always will be. And I always want to recognize those that do it. So I don't have any objection to what anybody else does, but I just choose to, honestly, I don't think what sweatshirt I wear is important. What's important to me <laughs> is what your actions are, what you do. So I try to make those count. It's just like, okay, Bill, what you're trying to do here is like explain away, like just v- a, what would otherwise be a total non-story if you just like put a certain type of jacket on. And like, <laughs> like he's right. It, it, it doesn't matter what like you, it's more important no. what you do than it is what you say or how you appear. But like, in the public eye, when you're a famous football coach, sometimes what you wear can send that message. I don't know. I mean, I we all know that the NFL just wants to sell hoodies, right. you know? But I don't know. It's just like, you're such an ass. And he's like a big military guy, too. This is such a layup for him. Like, his father was in the uh, yeah. Navy. Like, Naval Academy yeah. was coaching and shit like that. Like, he's like all into that sort of stuff. Like, this should be so easy. Yeah, but I think he does really, like, he genuinely does a lot of good stuff for the military. And they had a ton of, like, um, I think families of service members that had passed at the game. Oh, and yeah, like there was, he, a, there was a ton was- of that at the game, for sure. Um, I saw that. Tell me you were in your seat with that little old man came walking out on the field. Oh, the whole 102-year-old man oh, with my the God. on his Thank jersey. God, I wasn't there. I definitely would have cried so hard. Uh, you would have been a mess. Yeah, no question about that. One time that. Craig and I were at a Celtics game and I got left in the seats by myself and the friggin' military guy came home and surprised his family and I was alone and crying in the garden. <laughs> it was not great. Yeah, I went to get beers, came back and Melissa's crying. I was like, what happened? Yeah. All of our friends left. I was by myself. Four, four <laughs> seats, just me. Tears. <laughs> yeah, there would have been a repeat of that if you were there for the old man. Oh, a mi- uh, yeah. And probably I would have been by myself just to make it better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. Anyway, turning to basketball. So we mentioned this before. Jamal Murray of the Nuggets dropped 48 points on the Seas the other night in Denver. In the final seconds of the game, with a 115-107 to 107 lead, this D... The- he pulls up for a buzzer beater three pointer. Clearly, he just wanted to get to that 50 point mark on the night. Kyrie gets the ball, launches it into the stands, and not like one or two rows. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's not coming back from no, where no. it was. You couldn't, 
easily ask for it. Uh, he was asked about the incident. Uh, oh, he was then fined $25,000. He's asked about the incident later that night. And he doubles down on his response to the shot and says... Actually, can I, can I make a quick correction for what I wrote earlier? Yeah. Uh, this quote is actually from the following day. Oh, he was asked about Damn. it that night and he said something, but this quote is actually yeah. from the next day where he okay, like, so Trip, this is the triple down. He's really adamant about this is how he feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. From a competition and competitive standpoint, I think it is absolutely deserved to go in the stand still. You just don't play basketball like that. It's as simple as that. You just don't. There's a tradition and a respect within the league as well as in any basketball game. Obviously, you've won the game. You have it sealed. You've had a great game, game of your life, and you do something like that. It's just, it's petty. It's immature. So, Craig, who is being immature here? Kyrie or Jamal Murray? Uh, so, I actually have basically no problem with either of their actions. Uh, <laughs> like, also agree. I, I, I kind of like the fact that Jamal Murray just, like, pulled up and shot. Like, it wasn't, like putting his team in any bad position. Right. Like, you know, the game was in hand, whatever. He just fucking wanted to hit it. So he shot it. Like, this is something that we hear about, I feel like, a lot with the, with the uh, Patriots over the years where they, like, blow teams out and Brady's still playing in the fourth quarter or whatever. And they're like, oh, we're running up the score. Like, blah, blah, blah. it's like, okay. Like, this is professional sports. Both teams are paid millions of dollars to score points and prevent the other team right. from scoring points. And if you can't do then that, you deserve to be that's not Jamal Murray's right. point. That, I mean, I'm sorry, that's not Jamal Murray's fault. The fact that y'all couldn't prevent him from scoring 50. So that was fine. Kyrie chucking the ball, also fine. I think it was super <laughs> petty, but I kind of like it. But the, I think at this point, he needs to just realize that he's talking about like a pretty scrubby player on a pretty scrubby team. And like, I need Kyrie to just like pull up, pull up out of this little like nosedive that he's in on like doubling and tripling down on this and just be like, you know what? That means nothing to me. That team means nothing to me. That game means very little to me. We're fucking moving right. on. Like we're trying to win championships out here. Like I need him to just like get get out get out of it. <laughs> he's got to like pull the shoot on this whole fucking. Yeah, thing. he's kind of spiraling on it. I like I get it. He doesn't think he was in the wrong, which is fine. So okay, now we know. But like I need him to stop answering right. questions about it because like this dude is way small potatoes. Yeah, I hate the talk about the unwritten rules and the things you're like. Oh, screw screw oh, off. You're a professional ass. athlete. He's a professional athlete. You're competitors and he wanted to rub it in your face. Good for him. He fucking should. He won. But yeah, also, this isn't little you want to take the ball and huck it? Yeah, Baby. I'm for it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, more NBA yes. stuff. We got heavy NBA on the lightning like round this it. week. Some of our listeners will be very happy by that. So the NBA. Yeah. The league announced this week that it would be televising the all-star draft this year, which will be picked by two team captains. I know last year it was Steph Curry and LeBron James. Maybe it will be the same thing this Probably. year. I don't know. Um, they moved away from the East versus West format of the game last year and switched it to the playground style draft thing, but foolishly didn't let us see the best fucking yeah. part, which is the right. draft. So my question is, Melissa, are you excited about this? And does the game even matter after the drama of picking? Yeah, play? I like it. That was a huge miss last year. Like, who, no, gigantic. That, the best miss. part is watching them pick the teams and like, who are they going to pick next? And I want to get like interviews with the players as they pick them. And like, how do they feel about where they were drafted? And like, I want them to get angry when they're drafted late. Uh, and no, I don't give a shit about the NBA All-Star game, but <laughs> I would probably watch the draft because I would be curious about like, what they have to say and what drama comes out of it. The greatest thing that happened in uh, the NHL in the last 10 years, in my opinion, <laughs> was when they did this yeah. 
in 2011 and Phil Kessel was the last pick <laughs> of the of the All-Star Fantasy Draft with his fucking fat face sitting there all by himself last pick on the fantasy team it's fucking hilarious like I cannot wait to watch that in the NBA it's gonna be great yeah, Phil Kessel also our last not pick. good great yeah that's hilarious yeah it's gonna yeah, be awesome someone's gonna get embarrassed and I like it and they're gonna be a bitch about it too because ego, uh, there's a lot of ego in the NBA. And so, like, whoever gets picked last and knowing and knows that they're on TV getting picked last, they're going to be pissed. Oh, I cannot wait to see the fucking sourpuss on, like, some... I don't even know who it's going to be. Like, who's the worst all-star? I don't yeah, even I don't fucking know. know. Uh, like, oh, that's going to be fantastic. Oh, I, yeah, I can't wait. Oh, my God, Craig. I have even more NBA stuff for you. Yeah, talking hoops. Uh, Celtics coach Brad Stevens invited uh, Peyton Manning to a Celtics film session this week. He apparently gave them a little speech about how this was the best time of their life and to appreciate the camaraderie and relationships with teammates. He also apparently talked about how losing perennially in the playoffs eventually allowed him to win the Super Bowl in 06. Weird message. Uh, <laughs> Celtics assistant coach Micah Shrewsbury said that even though Manning did not fully grasp what he was watching, it was clear how much he enjoyed being back in the competitive environment. That's such a great quote. Strange all around. Uh, do you think players respond to this stuff? Um, maybe. I don't know. Well, uh, I was reminded yeah. of when uh, it, this year in Pat's training yeah, camp Kobe. before Brady and Gronk were there, Kobe Bryant. Yeah was apparently invited to like talk to the players by bill. And like, I just, I don't know if I was like a professional athlete of a certain sport, I would number one, not be impressed by athletes in other sports who are like champions. Cause like I play in the NBA. Right. Uh, and number two, like, you know, what is, does the message even matter? Like they're just talking generically about like teamwork and winning. It's just like, I don't know. Like in, in the, the cross sport thing also, I just don't understand what the value is like. It, yeah. Like and a final point. Why do we have to find people that are like rivals? Yeah. Like why couldn't David Ortiz do yeah. that? Why couldn't fucking Tom Brady do that? Like, why could it, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't know. Why did Kobe talk to the Patriots? Yeah. We couldn't get Larry Peyton Bird Manning talking to or the Danny like, Ainge. Yeah. Like what? Seriously. Like, I don't know. Cross sports and their rival. Like, I don't know. It's just like, was fucking a rod going to go talk to the Bruins about <laughs> like winning championship? Like what is it? Like what's next? Uh, you know, I, it, I yeah, I also don't understand the Peyton Manning's point about talking about how losing perennially in the playoffs eventually allowed him to win the Super Bowl. Like, well, the perennially that was an editorial choice of words by sure, me. but, but <laughs> sure, but like, but he was yeah, uh, was I, I he think like his point setting them like, up to know, fail? Like, it's okay if you lose eventually. <laughs> Eventually, luck will be on your side and you'll get one, too. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, in Peyton Manning's case, it was eventually you'll get a defense and a really shitty opponent in the Super right. Bowl to win in 2006. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about the effectiveness of that method. I just love the quote <laughs> that from the assistant coach. He says, he didn't fully grasp, but he was watching. <laughs> but it was clear how much he enjoyed being back in the competitive environment. So I great. feel like of all things that perfectly encapsulate Peyton Manning. It's he didn't seem to fully grasp what was happening. <laughs> oh, that great. feels right so for good. most of the Manning brothers. In fact, you could describe them that way. Um, okay. So this is a good transition to football okay. football question. 
I don't know how much Tennessee Titans football you watch, Melissa. In my case, it's yeah, not a lot. it's zero. But word on the street is Malcolm Butler sort of sucks now. I have heard that. Uh, he did not have a great year last year and was obviously benched for the entire Super Bowl against the Eagles. Um, it's hard to find like good sort of stats on cornerbacks. I, I looked for like five minutes today, but couldn't <laughs> find any. Uh, but I've heard and read all over the place that Butler just gets fucking roasted basically every week. So the question is, does the fact that Butler is sucking in Tennessee make you feel better, worse, indifferent about his benching in the Super Bowl? Um, I, I Indifferent. It makes me feel indifferent. I'm still mad about it, and I still think it was the wrong call by Bill because he didn't get torched all last year. And I think the point we made about Bill Belichick earlier is that he has a great way of like coaching players up and using them in the right situation. And Malcolm Butler had proved that he could be an impactful playoff performer. And to leave him on the bench the entire game and not even give him a shot still makes no sense to me. Agree. Doesn't change a thing. It, it's not like you threw him out there for three s- series and he was terrible and was getting torched and he was like, all right, you got to come out. He didn't see the field. So, yeah. So to me, unrelated. I still hate it. I still think it was the biggest mistake of Bill Belichick's career. Hard agree. I got real mad about that. Uh, I have a funny question to end it with you, Craig. Hit me. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but several members of the Ottawa Senators uh, were seemingly secretly recorded in a Phoenix cab bad-mouthing their coach, their meetings and the videos that they watch, um, and their play on the ice for the season. Uh, It wasn't pretty. It was quite comical. Uh, but kind of awkward that it got leaked out there by this cab driver and was blasted out onto the internet. How how does a team recover from something like this? And if you were a fan of that team, what would your response be? Uh, so if you haven't seen the video yet, folks out there, I'd encourage you to go watch it. It's just, you know, a couple of guys taking an yeah. Uber. Night on the I town. Think it's very, I think it's very cute that there's four of them in an Uber. So they're sitting three across in the backseat. I think that's nice. Yeah. They're regular people, just like us. They got to split their cab first. And they're basically just, yeah, just talking shit, you know, like you would with your coworkers if you didn't like your boss, right? Like, it's pretty standard. It just so happens that they are professional hockey players, and that's their situation. Yeah, and the guy, the cab Uh, driver says to them at one point, oh, what team do you play for? They go, Ottawa. And then he and he goes, oh, yeah. Then they go, yeah. You can tell we're not exactly pleased with our situation. Yeah, but Ottawa sucks. Their head coach Guy Boucher sucks. Oh, he does. The team is a is a is a AHL roster. Like they got bigger problems than the dudes talking in a cab. Like right. that's just like a funny little side thing. Uh, and if I was a fan of that team, I would have switched my allegiance to the Toronto Maple Leafs years ago. <laughs> I I think like well, good for them. At least they know they suck. Yeah, it would, if I was actually, yeah, in in all honesty, if I was a fan of the team, I would like enjoy the fact that the guys are frustrated with yeah, the play. At least of they the care. Team, you know what right. I mean? Uh, Follow up question Do you feel like you yeah. can ever tell a secret in an Uber again? Jeez, I guess not. But I mean, I'm super not famous. Like, not yet. on the list not of yet. like, on the spectrum of famous to not famous, I'm wicked not famous. <laughs> well, if you and Rebuilders in a cab and someone, and he asks what band you're in, don't say. I'll. I'll say Kings of Leon. <laughs> Just go Creed. Uh, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, fun week. Uh, should be more to come, although we are outside of our four sport. What's the four, what's the word for trifecta, but when there's four? Quadfecta? Quadfecta? Yeah. 
whatever. <laughs> now that we're out of that situation, we are in a uh, uh, still a really good time on the yeah. sports calendar. Yes. Bruins, Celtics, Pats, all in action. So it should be a good week coming up. Yeah. And we will uh, give us a follow on any social media at Title Town Pod. You can also call the hotline at 904 TT Pod, baby. <laughs> How do I forget the easy part? 904 TT Pod. That's a good question. Leave us a voicemail there. Uh, and, you know, like, subscribe on iTunes and maybe tell a friend or two. Get them involved. Do it up. See you next All week. All right. Bye.